Welcome to History, where I get to share the many stories of the Bible and Jesus. I'm your host, Mitch Davis, and I want to share the good news with you. Have you ever noticed just how similar children are to their parents? I remember when my wife met my dad for the very first time and she was struck at just how similar I was to him in in so many different ways, like how we stood or how we walked. And we even have a lot of similar interests, behaviors, I mean, our dispositions, just so many things like that. And many other people have said the same thing about me and my dad, including my own mom, who I remember one day when I was in high school, I came home from work um, doing construction, and when I came home, she looked at me and called me by my dad's name because of these very striking similarities. Whether we have a good relationship with our, with our parents or a bad relationship with our parents, it's just an amazing quality that there are so many similarities. Well, did you know that what is true of us physically with our parents is also true with our Heavenly Father. This is exactly what was meant just before God created man when he said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. When God made us among All of his glorious and seemingly infinite diverse creations, he did not want us to be robots only programmed to doing good and never doing bad. No, uh uh-uh. The ultimate form of his love for us was creating us so that we, out of our own volition, would choose to love him back. That means he made us to have free will. Now, he wants us to be good, And if we're going to have a relationship with him, we're going to have to live like him. But he gave us that choice nonetheless. And when we do things that are good, the Bible calls that being, quote, godly. Conversely, when we do evil things or things that are contrary to the very nature of God, well, that's what the Bible says is ungodly. Well, the significance of these terms is that when we do godly things, they reflect a God-like character. In other words, we're reflecting His image. And so when God made us in His image, He made us with the ability to reflect that very image, which pleases Him. Just like when we do things that reflect the image of our parents. Too often, however... Our character reflects ungodliness because, well, we have our own choices and sometimes our choices reflect a very contrary way to what pleases God. It's known as being selfish or fleshly. Like, I don't know, when we steal something from someone or we try to get away um, with whatever we're doing out of harm or neglect of that other person. Additionally, we display maybe a hateful 
character trait, when we despise what someone has done for whatever their reasons are. In our hatred, we might do something to harm or decide to injure someone when we feel wronged by them. So God knew this when he made us, and he made us anyway. He made us with all the ability to reflect his image, as well as all the ability to reflect that which is contrary to that very image. But he did leave us with our choice. The reality is that so often we, we think on ungodly things. We say ungodly things. We do ungodly things. In fact, God even said it himself with regard to mankind. In fact, Genesis chapter 6 says in verse 5, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So this kind of gives us a sense of how we are. I mean, that's just a reality. It doesn't mean that we don't do good things. I mean, it's we're made in his image. Every day you get to see amazing, wonderful stories about that. But the Apostle Paul said the same thing of what was said many, many years before that. He said in very similar fashion, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues, they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. God Because he is pure in his love and goodness, cannot have a pure relationship with hate because that is contrary to his nature. Anything contrary to his nature is called sin. And so he lovingly and graciously decided on a way to have a relationship with sinful man. That is why there's this very popular Bible passage. It's John chapter 3, verse 16 that says, God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son, that whoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. In other words, God wants our character to reflect his character. Speaking of the word character, what makes Jesus so special that he can be called the Savior of the world as well as Lord, where we follow him, is that he perfectly represents the very image of God. Think about it. The Bible says that Jesus was the brightness of God's glory and the express image of his person. In the middle of that very verse, Jesus is the express image of God. The word or the the phrase express image in the Greek is pronounced this way, character. It's the very word that we get for the word character. It's like an engraving that when you chisel every piece out and you get the final product, that final product says, 
Jesus looks just like God. Of course, we're talking about his character, right? So if if we're to stroll through the life of Christ and look at real-world examples of his life, that would give us a clear picture of the very nature of God. For instance, he loved people that society did not. People with leprosy, those who were lame, people who were blind, or prostitutes. There are people who are known as tax collectors and sinners. And Jesus ate with them when other religious elites would have nothing to do with these people. Or, how about this? He was so jealous for God that he wanted other people who claimed to be followers of God to treat God with true reverence. In John chapter 2 and verses 14 through 17, the scripture says, He found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and, and the money changers doing business. And when he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. He said to those who sold doves, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. So you get a sense of of how much he loved God and did not want us, man, to diminish that relationship with him, that we would have true reverence for him. In fact, the scripture went on to say in that passage, zeal for your house has eaten me up. So he's jealous for his God and he wants us to, to treat him the way he did. Or the fact that he would administer justice graciously. One day there was a, there was, um, a bunch of Pharisees and scribes, and they brought this woman who had been caught in the very act of adultery. And they were wanting to test Jesus. Well, guess what? Jesus showed them exactly how to administer justice with this woman who's actually done something that was sinful, let alone the man that she was with. After he questions them and tells them, okay, if you are without sin, go ahead and fulfill the law, cast a stone against this woman. Well, he waited for a while. And the scripture says in John 8 verse 10, when Jesus raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And then Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So it's not that Jesus is, is not for administering justice, but he, he did so graciously. So what God's word is telling us is that if you look at the life of Jesus, you actually see the image of God. For instance, in John chapter 14, Philip said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? You see, there are many, many other examples throughout the Gospels showing us the very character of God, just as we've seen in the life of Jesus.
And that is why Jesus could say that he and the Father were one. You know, the night before Jesus died, he knelt down, he took off his belt from his robe, and he washed the feet of his disciples. And then he said these very important words to them. He said, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. God wants all who desire to walk with him to use their lives and become more and more like him. You see, he used Jesus not only to die on the cross for our sins, he used him as an earthly example of how we can walk like him who is in the image of God. And that is why the Apostle Paul said of God, whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Just from these thoughts, can you even begin to see how much God loves us? And how much as we are made in his image and gives us his son, Jesus, an example of of how we ought to live. In other words, he made us to be conformed to the image of his son, who is the express image of himself. I hope you can see that. And not only I hope can you see it, I hope you'll decide to connect to God through the one who died for you. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions about today's talk, please visit our website at franklinchurchofchrist.com or visit our Facebook page at Franklin Church of Christ TN. Until next time, have a blessed day.